Good morning. How are we doing? We doing good? Awesome. Hey, I'm so glad to be back with you. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Eric Kraft. I used to be the family pastor here like two years ago, and so I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to hang out with you and dive into God's Word with you this morning. Uh, in case you uh, don't know what I've been up to for the past year and a half, I've been a junior high pastor in a church in Springboro, Ohio, uh, which is right by Dayton, Ohio. It's about 45 minutes from Cincinnati. And <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Junior high pastor, is this guy insane? The answer is yes. I've been asked that question multiple times, and the answer is always yes. But I love junior high students because they're so funny and silly and goofy, and you get the greatest stories out of them. And one student in particular that I've gotten a great story out of is this kid named Kevin. And I remember when I first walked into Southwest Church on day one, I met Kevin, and he was glaring at me. Like, I walked in, it looked like I had kicked a puppy or something, because this dude was just staring at me with, like, daggers in his eyes. And I'm like, oh, he does, he does not like me at all. And I just showed up, not even done anything yet. And uh, so I walked up to him after service, said, hey, my name's Eric, what's yours? And he's like, Kevin. And I'm like, all right. How are you, Kevin? He's like, I don't like you. Oh, that's a great way to respond to how are you. Cool. Um, why don't you like me? You're not Andrew. And I was like, oh, you're last guy. I'm not him. Cool. And so that was like my interactions with Kevin for like the next four or five weeks. And so finally, slowly but surely, like the wall broke down. He opened up a little bit. He started to trust me. And then we went on a, a trip together to this place called CIY believe. It's an event that happens in Cincinnati every year for junior high students. There's like 3,000 of them in NKU's arena, and they're all hanging out. It's a German-fested room because all these junior hires are there, and it's, it's hilarious. It's fun. They get to sing songs to Jesus. They get to learn on their level, and they get to figure out how they can go and be kingdom workers back home. And Kevin this year was like super engaged to the content, right? Like he's having a great time, he's listening, he's having fun in worship, he's playing games, he's like on the edge of the seat anytime this dude is preaching. I'm like, man, he's more engaged than here than he is on Sunday morning. Cool. And so I'm listening to him and it's awesome. And I'm like, awesome. Kevin's doing great on this trip. And so I decided, you know what, Kevin, tonight you're going to room with me in our hotel room. I had Kevin and his friends stay in my room and we laughed together all night. We did silly things. We woke up super early in the morning to go buy donuts for everybody. It was a great time. And so finally we get to the last session at See How I Believe. And I'm like, okay, it's been a good trip. Everyone's here. I'm just relaxing, and because I'm tired, you know, I've had 30 junior high kids that I've been responsible for all weekend. I'm like, I don't know how moms do it at all, like, and I'm sitting there, I'm just exhausted, and finally the worship gets done, and the speaker walks out on stage, and then you see this junior high kid running down the center aisle, and I'm like, huh, that's weird, and then there's this collective unison, like, response from all my students that go, is that Kevin? And I respond, no, there's no way. I'm not that youth pastor where the, you know, the student runs up to the stage unscripted, is probably going to get tackled by security. It's fine. That's not me. That's not our group. And then they all stand up at once and chant, it's Kevin. And I'm like, no, no, it's Kevin. And I like sink into my seat. And I'm like, I don't want to claim to be the youth pastor of this kid right now as he's running up to the stage. And what Kevin had in his hand to give to the speaker was a Taco Bell tortilla with hot sauce in it. 
because a speaker had talked about how when he was a junior high kid, he would go to Taco Bell with his friend after school, and they would get Taco Bells, and he didn't have a lot of money, so he would just get a tortilla and put, you know, mild sauce in it. But Kevin didn't put mild sauce in this tortilla. He put the hottest Taco Bell sauce in this tortilla. And so the speaker, being a great sport about it, opens the tortilla and goes, man, I was actually looking forward to this, and like eats it and gets like a splatter of hot sauce in his mouth. And he's like, oh, that's hot. <laughs> and he's like guggling down water before he can speak. Kevin laughs. He goes back to like this seat over on the far side of the room where our group wasn't. He knew where our group was, but he's just like hanging by himself. And I'm like, that's so funny. Like, Junior high kids are insane. And like on the moment as I'm walking over to Kevin, I'm like laughing, right? Because I'm like, how do I yell at a kid for something that cool of a story? And then I realized I was learning something from Kevin, even though he was just being a goofy, silly junior high boy. You see, Kevin listened to this story that the speaker had spoken, and he's like, I want to I be a part of that story. I want to I participate in that. I want to be in that moment. And so that's why he got the Taco Bell tortilla, was because he wanted to participate in this story. And I got to thinking about how so often in life, we as adults can sometimes like get blinders on and forget that there's this huge story around us that we get this chance to participate in. And how sometimes we just need to be like a junior high boy running down the aisle and participate in a story. And so I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive into Scripture, and we're going to talk about this idea of participating in the stories of those around us. So will you pray with me real quick? God, thank you just for another chance that we get to hang out and hear your word. God, I ask that you ready our hearts and our minds to hear what you have for us. God, I ask that my words aren't spoken, but yours are. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. So Paul writes this letter to a church in Galatia. It's called Galatians, um, and it's in Galatians chapter 6 that we find Paul writing this. He says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also might be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and this way fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. And each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone. For each should carry their own load. Paul talks about two words in this passage. The first word is burden and the second word is load. He says we should each help each other with our burdens, but at the end of the day we also all have to carry our own load. And because I'm a student pastor, I like to think of in terms of students and how they have loads and burdens. You see, every student, when they go to school, has a load that they take with them. It's called their backpack, right? Like, if you have kids, you see them, like, they get their backpack ready for school, and they, they're, like, marching in, and they're all excited, right? It has their homework in it from the day before. It has notebooks, textbooks, pens, pencils, everything they need to have a successful day at school, right? Like, each student needs a backpack with those supplies to have a good day at school. Each student is responsible for their own load. But anyone who's a teacher knows that not every student can carry their own load well because sometimes there's burdens at home that stop them from doing that. There are some kids who haven't had a meal since lunch yesterday as they're walking into school that morning. 
There are some students who have a learning disability that make math, science, and reading really, really difficult for them. There are some students who walk into school and that's the only caring adult they have is the teacher in the classroom because no one cares at home. Or there are students whose parents don't have money to even pay for their supplies. These burdens make it difficult for a student to go and do school well. And what Paul is saying here is that when we see somebody who is struggling and has a burden, we are called to meet that need. We are called to meet that need. I saw a really great example of this in the church I'm a part of in Springboro this past year. See, there was this lady in my church who just went through a really, really messy divorce. And it was tough because she and her husband had married for like 20 years. They had two kids together. And then one day he just wakes up and goes, I'm done. And he walks out the door. And so this lady was left to pick up the pieces of her like strangled family that is all messed up and all messy. And she was alone in this process until her small group was seeing what was happening and said, we're not going to stand idly by while this happens to you. We're going to be with you in this process. And they helped her move into a new place that was much more affordable than the home she was living in. They helped her fix that home up and make it nice and great and a place that she can actually call her own and not just some random place she was staying in. They've been there with her through each and every tough moment since the divorce as a shoulder to cry on as someone to help her kids get around, as someone just to be there for her. I saw a group of people rally around this woman and carry her burdens for her. And then after her burden was carried and it's been lifted, and even though it's still tough for her because she went through this divorce, she started going out and telling other people what Jesus and her small group had done for her and how the church could look so amazing when it's a group of people who love one another and care for the burdens of each other. And when I hear this story and I think of Galatians 6, I think of this other passage in Acts, and it comes from Acts 2, where it says this, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. For everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were gathered together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Paul's writing this letter to Galatians and echoing what he saw in the early church before he was even a converted Christian. That the church could be this place where when someone was in need, we met that need. When someone had nothing, we went and we met it. When we saw a story that wasn't going the way God intends our stories to go, we go and we participate in it and we help in the restoration of that story. What Paul is saying here is the same thing Jesus commands of us, to participate in the building of God's kingdom here on earth. 
We are not to stand idly by while others go through tough times or while others need our help or need to be shown who Jesus is. We are called to live out a faith that is active. The other week I was at Kroger's and I had a rough day at work. I'm sure a lot of us have been there, right? Like it's been a rough day, you're tired, you're exhausted, you just got to get a few things from the store so you can go home, eat, and then you're just done for the day. Like you're going to go straight to bed. That was the day I had had. I was just exhausted and tired. And uh, so I went and I got fried chicken because that's comfort food for me. Fried chicken and mac and cheese. So I got fried chicken, mac and cheese from the Kroger Deli and I'm standing in line to leave. And I was in line for like 20 minutes. And if you've ever been in line for like longer than five minutes at Kroger's or Walmart, you're like, all right, let's go. Like I've had it. Like this is, I'm done. I'm over it. And that was me that day. And it was already built up on top of being angry and frustrated and annoyed And I'm sitting there in my own little world, not paying attention, and the lady in front of me couldn't pay for her groceries. Like, she was having trouble, her card wasn't working, there was something going on. And I kept feeling this nudge, right? Like, I kept feeling this thing saying, do something, Eric, do something. And after an uncomfortably long amount of time, I finally, I paid for her groceries, and I just kind of went on my way. I didn't say much, I just swiped my card, and I walked out to my car. And as I walked out to my car and I sat in it, I kind of banged my head on the steering wheel because immediately this passage from James gripped my heart where it says this. It says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace and keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is any of it? In the same way, faith itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. As I sat in my car, I was gripped with the understanding that, yeah, I met this need, but I did it because I was frustrated and I want to get through the line, not because I even like, really cared about this woman. And my heart broke, and I'm in my car crying at Kroger's because I I understood that sometimes I get so wrapped up in my own world, I get so selfish and self-centered that I forget there are oh so many people around me who have this story that need me to participate in it, who need me to show them what love is. Because if I had just paid attention for five minutes, I would have realized these subtle things happening around me with this woman that she was in a mobility cart and had issues getting around, that she was trying to pay with her food stamps card and it just wasn't working. How before she had even tried to pay, she was talking to the cashier about how excited she was to see her grandkids that evening because it had been a while since she had seen them. And I didn't even get this woman's name. I didn't hear the names of her grandkids. I didn't participate in her story. I just said, you're welcome, and I walked out. I had a real moment to be Jesus and hear her name and hear her story, and I didn't do it. But I don't think I'm the only one who messes up on that. I think a lot of us do that at times, where we get so wrapped up in our own junk that we forget that there's a much bigger story going on around us that we can participate in. There are people around us who we might be their only interaction with who Jesus is. And our faith without action is dead. 
faith without doing something about it, like it's great, Jesus came, lived, and died for us, right? But unless we do something about it, it's meaningless. And Jesus knew that too when he ascended into heaven and he told us to go and make disciples of all nations because he knew that it was so much more than us just being with him one day in heaven. He knew it was about us engaging in the story of his kingdom right here and right now. So there are three things that I think we can do to engage in God's story on our daily lives. And I think those three things are our time, our talent, and our treasure. Because I think it's more than us just walking up to somebody and saying, hey, God loves you. But I think it's about us showing it through our actions and proving that our faith is alive. When I say time, I think it's real easy for us to just give up and use our time to love somebody well. It would have taken just 10 minutes to stand there and for me to talk to this lady. If only I was willing to give my time to Jesus. We can use our time to invest and love others and just hear what's going on in their story. We can use our talent. I can tell you how many times like there are shut-ins that like their lawns are crazy, right? We can use our talent of just like being great at landscaping. That's not me, but I know it's some of you in this room. Like we can use our talent to go in and mow lawns for these people. You can be like the people in the story I told earlier who rallied around this lady and painted her house and helped move stuff. That's using your talent and abilities to help serve somebody. And lastly, we can give our treasure and say, the money I have is going towards God's kingdom. The things God has given me, I'm going to give back to him to invest in the kingdom around me. Because I'm sold out to Jesus, and so my finances are going to reflect that. Time, talent, and treasure are the three ways that we can invest in the lives of the people around us. Because my friends, what I know is that life is often way too short. It's way too short, and oftentimes, at the end of the day, because of our own busyness and our own things going on and our own schedules, we forget that there are people around us who we can participate in their story and show simple love to them. And so my challenge to you, the people who proclaim the name of Jesus during the time of this communion, I want you to think about how you can participate in this story that God is calling us all to participate in. Because yes, Jesus came, lived, and died, and his blood was shed, and his body was broken so that one day we can be with him forever. But while Jesus was focused on forever, he was also focused on the here and the now, and he was calling us to participate in his story. He was calling us to love people well, like he loved us. And to those of you who don't believe Jesus yet, to those of you who haven't professed his name yet, I want you to know that there is a story so much bigger than all of us happening around us. And we have this amazing ability to partner with God in what he's doing. And I want you to know that Jesus came and lived and died to bear your burden and to bear whatever's going on in your life. God loves you and he cares for you. Pray with me. God, thank you for everything you've done for us. 
God, thank you for your son in the cross. God, I pray we are a people whose faith is alive and active and moving. God, I pray we are a people who seek you and your kingdom first in our daily lives with our time, our talent, and our treasure. God, I pray that. Jesus, thank you for what you did for us. Thank you for bearing our burdens first so that we can go bear the burdens of others. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.